Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Dave Fox Home Remodeling Show. I'm Gary Demas. Really glad that you're all tuned in this morning. Sitting right on the edge of their seats, Jamie. That's right. Yep. They want to hear what you have to say this morning. Oh, sure. Uh-huh. <laughs> all right. Well. Well, I'm waiting, too. You're waiting, too? Okay. okay. <laughs> all right. Well, today we are going to be talking about uh, navigating the permitting process okay. and what those regulations look like. Permits and regulations. Doesn't everybody love those? I mean... Mm-hmm. Great way it's to like, start I a could Sunday. just read a whole textbook on permitting and regulating <laughs> and just be, it'd be so enjoyable. Mm-hmm. Sitting on a beach. Yeah. Yeah. Reading a book about permits and regulations. I don't know why you'd choose to read anything else. I know. It. There's no <laughs> pictures though, or at least not very many. Yeah. But otherwise, that's it. Yeah. Okay. So mm-hmm. I welcome everyone. Uh, we do want to introduce, not introduce, uh, welcome you to our website, right? We've already introduced that like bazillion times yes. over the last 10 or 11 years. So our website's dayfox.com and there's a ton of information there if anyone wants to go take a peek at pictures or pro- out at the remodeling process. A lot of information that will help anybody that's considering remodeling. And then there's dayfoxradio.com where we have all of our previously broadcast radio shows with a lot of different topics. So today's topic is that exciting and exhilarating topic of regulations and permits yeah yeah not all that exciting yet necessary okay so. if you say if you say so okay all right <laughs> okay. All, all right so let's dive in let's dive right in so when we think about remodeling you know, I think that the question always comes up for a consumer whether they're a do-it-yourselfer hiring a contractor no matter what you're doing to your mm-hmm. home, even if it's, you know, new landscaping, things like that. Permitting is almost always part of the conversation um, and leads to that big question of, do I need permits for mm-hmm. this? Or do I need to get approval for this? Or who do I need to notify about this? And, yeah. and beyond the permitting, there's, you know, there's two other big kind of components, your HOA, depending on where you live, mm-hmm. and also zoning. Zoning, yeah. Also depending on where you live. Yeah. And... Columbus is an interesting town in that a lot of the suburbs, you can live in the same suburb and have different permitting processes, different zoning processes, just because of if maybe you're in a township within that town or, you know, there's there's a lot of different layers mm-hmm. <laughs> to your precise address and, and the rules that you have to follow between your neighborhood rules, your township potential rules, your town, your city's rules, and your um, county. Yeah. And then when you get into the HOA, your neighborhood rules. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Which those can be tough to navigate and Mm -hmm. you have to live with those people. (laughs) Yeah. So, you know, there's good things and bad things. Sure. Good thing is you can imagine a beautiful neighborhood and you're driving down the road and there's this one house that's painted chartreuse and unkempt and there's a bunch of junk cars in the front yard and Mm -hmm. nobody wants to invest in a nice home and have that happen in their neighborhood right right so that requires some kind of regulation yeah somebody to kind of watch over that and be the authority and say no you cannot do that Mm mm-hmm we have laws, we have regulations, and this is, this is not allowed. Yeah. So that's the good side, right? Right. Mm-hmm. So the bad side is, and we've had a number of clients who 
feel like they bought their house and their yard <laughs> and it's theirs and they can't do what they want to do. Right. And a lot of times it's not pushing the limits to the point that there's junker clunker cars out right. in front of stuff. So it's, it's more subtle and people get very upset a lot of times if they can't have garage doors facing a certain way or, uh, you know, build in a certain area mm-hmm. or add a certain type of addition on their home. Yeah. They feel like, hey, I bought this house. It's mine. Keep your nose out of it. See right. Or whoever's, you know. So that's the pros and cons. And we live in the middle. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it, it is a tough thing, you know, especially like you said, when you've gone through all the efforts of, you know, by the time you get to that process, you've already done a lot of work. You're very invested in this project um, emotionally and financially even at this point. You've hired somebody to do designs um, and you've gone through the effort of figuring out what type of project you want to do, when you want to do it, securing financing for it, mm-hmm. and enlisted whatever contractor um, or architect or whatever the case is that you're choosing to go with. You've already done so much work up to this point. Um, and then you go through to your HOA, for example, and you know, it's, there's a lot of rules. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I do believe that, uh, you know, good contractors need to take some responsibility there because we, number one, have experience in a lot of different neighborhoods and what goes and what doesn't. And yeah. if there's ever a situation where we feel like it might be an issue, you know, it's on us to, to warn the client about that. Right. Say, Before you spend all this money on design and everything, let me tell you that you'll need a variance for this or whatever yeah and uh, and you, they need a warning and sometimes the, there's a high likelihood the variance will pass but you never know for sure right so you know it's on us to really make the client aware that hey this is a potential pitfall so before you invest this money you need to know that this is not cast in stone you know the, right. there, there's something somebody could derail this yeah and that's so true i mean sometimes we are designing that we know something that's technically against the rules you know the quote-unquote rules and we apply for a variance and in different parts of town those kind of processes look a little bit different and in certain areas of town when you're talking like german village it's the, the rules are tight because the space is tight, you know? So I think, you know, variances in different parts of town can mean different things and Mm -hmm. can require different hoops to jump through and things Mm -hmm. like that. Um, And also it's an important thing to know when you are looking and hiring a contractor, who's going to be handling the permits. We handle the permits in house and we go to those variance meetings and any Mm -hmm. other meeting requirement. Uh, we kind of handle that for our clients, but that's not the case for every contractor. Right. Um, and so knowing that up front, you know, yeah. who, who does all, who navigates this process. Because the homeowner can do it. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, but depending on the homeowner, they might be very clueless or really mm-hmm. uninterested in being involved in the process. Yeah. Um, so it's definitely Many, yeah. something you want to ask when you're looking for a contractor. Yeah. Most of the time, there's some pretty detailed drawings need to be presented, you know, when you're going before that homeowners association or that zoning board Mm -hmm. and they need to see exactly what you're planning. What's it going to look like? What kind of materials are you using? In a lot of cases, what colors are you using? Yeah. Um, what style of windows are you using a divided light window or simulated 
divided light window. So yeah. there's tons of technicalities that can get involved. And some of them, I would say, get pretty doggone <laughs> digging pretty deep, you know. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> also, I think all the things that you do need to submit through your HOA could be surprising to people. I mean, I think technically even replacing windows, um, you're supposed to get approved sure. with the HOA, a new roof. Mm -hmm. You're supposed to get approved for that. So even just like general home maintenance um, items before remodeling, you really are should, I mean, get trees getting planted. Mm -hmm. uh, those need to be approved by the HOA, all sorts of things. Even we had to submit where we were putting our playground set. Yeah. Um, there's, you know, and again, it is to maintain the integrity of the neighborhood. It does have, its sole purpose is for the benefit of everybody. Sure. And if you're walking down the street, middle, balanced, it's all great. But every time you put people in charge of those kind of rules, and some of them can be a little bit arbitrary, then they can become a power struggle and it can go down the wrong road. Mm -hmm. So that's it's disappointing when those things happen. And they do occasionally. And we've even had clients get so upset that they just moved out of the neighborhood because they were so mad at the Homeowners Association for the restrictions they put on them. Yeah. So, I mean, that's the worst case scenario. It can happen. It, it usually does not. Okay, we're going to continue this in just a minute. Today you are listening to the Dave Fox Home Remodeling Show, either on live on the radio or in a podcast at your, you know, whatever. <laughs> I guess I'm trying to say you can pick your place and your time with a podcast and listen to it. That's right. You could be up on the moon, an astronaut. I don't know. <laughs> can you get it on the moon? I have no idea. In theory, okay. you're really close to satellites, but <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> okay. Yeah, sure. That should work. Um, but yeah, so, but for permitting... That all happens here, not on the moon. That's true, at yeah. least at this stage. At this stage, Until yes. Elon gets that figured out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Um, okay, so we were talking about, we kind of focused a lot on HOA process and things mm -hmm. like that in the first segment. Um, but also thinking about permittings, the permitting process, you know, knowing when a permit is required can be challenging. You know, there's not a simple, you know, Mm -hmm. This equals well, that. Well, there's some general principles that yeah. apply almost in every case. Yeah. You know um, what those are? Well, I know some of them have to do with the amount of like drywall you're disturbing. So if you're removing like certain square footage of drywall, mm -hmm. then you need to get a permit. Mm -hmm. um, and again, these are all different by all the different cities and counties and things like that. So there's no rule of thumb. You just kind of have to... Um, look on where you live on your auditor site to see all your different kind of segmentations of where you live. Mm -hmm. And and you can even call. I was going to say, yeah. they're all very sure. accommodating yep. and helpful. They're and helpful they want, they're not trying to make the process hard. Right. <laughs> they're right. trying to make the process doable for them, but um, they're more than willing to help and answer questions. Yeah. Um, almost everybody that works in these departments is used to questions all day long and is very willing to help. Yeah. Okay. Now I have a, f a flying analogy for you. you okay. Ready, ready for this? Since I, you love let me to buckle fly. up. <laughs> you love to fly in small planes so much. Yeah, so much. <laughs> so you can fly visual flight reference or instrument flight reference, VFR or IFR. Okay. So in a VFR environment, you're basically on your own. You're flying by the seat of your pants, by what you can see out your the dash. You know your 
windows. Mm-hmm. And you have a map that kind of shows geographical reference points. So you're out there flying and you got a lot of freedom. You can't enter an air traffic control space. Yeah. Well, you know, a like a class B or class C. Sure, sure. <laughs> area around the airport, a busy airport, because yeah. that all is controlled. They can't just have any Joe flying right through there when they have a big airliner coming. Makes okay? sense. But if you're out in the rural areas or whatever, you can just fly around. You're free. No rules, no restrictions to a large degree. And when you learn to fly, that's so easy. You know, you get, let's say you're at a little airport, you get up there, you fly around. It's so much fun. You can look at lakes and houses or whatever you want to and go back and land. You don't have to do much radio communication at all, if any. <clears throat> but if you're going to fly instrument, it's a whole different world. You're mm-hmm. on you're talking to all the different air traffic control systems. You're landing at controlled airspaces. So somebody's watching you all the time and you are squawking out a certain code so they can identify who you are through their radar. Mm-hmm. They can see your tail number. They can see what kind of plane you have. They can see the owner of that plane. So <clears throat> you are in a very controlled environment and there's strict rules and guidelines because you don't want to be flying through the clouds and run into another plane. No, that would not be great. So <clears throat> uh, it can be very... Uh, hmm, very scary for your first few years of flying that until you get comfortable with it. Mm -hmm. And then like now I file IFR all the time because air traffic control is watching out to make sure I don't fly into an airspace that's controlled or if it, if it is, I have their permission. Mm -hmm. There's so many things I don't have to worry about because I'm following all the guidelines. Yeah. So building codes can be that way and regulations. Um, I first started in business in a city that I'll leave unnamed, but there were no permitting processes, no inspections. It was just, you know, anybody could build a house out of straw and toothpicks if you wanted to. So that's the VFR pilot out there doing whatever he wants, right? You can just build whatever you want. I mean, I was in the remodeling business there and saw some things that just were crazy, you know, done very poorly or what they weren't structurally sound because nobody's watching over it yeah and then you go to see like columbus where there's a lot of regulations and rules and at first like to me that was scary because i had nobody looking over my shoulder for several years right and now somebody's scrutinizing everything i'm doing they're coming out and they're inspecting and i have to follow these guidelines and rules yeah but what you find out is that really the permits what they require is the bare minimum. So like if you're nailing sheathing on a wall, plywood sheathing and your nails are a certain distance apart from each other, that's the bare minimum. A lot of people will actually do, do better than that. Yeah. And the more conscientious you are, the more quality conscious you are, you're automatically doing better than what the minimum is calling for. So it's not so scary because you want to do it right and... Um, that that's goes fine unless you get um and certain inspectors that can uh push things to the limit and make life miserable Mm -hmm. and that's why a lot of times we will we could have an electrical inspection fail we could have a structural inspection fail because of some little minute thing and in our minds it's meaningless Mm -hmm. but in the inspector's mind it's a technicality that needs to be taken care of 
Right. So there is some ambiguity there uh, with the inspectors, and most of them are great. There's just a few that can really make life miserable. (laughs) But generally speaking, the permits make sense. The rules and regulations make sense. We have no problem following them because we'd be doing that anyway. Right. That makes sense. That's a long uh, story to get to that. No, I mean, I think that that makes a lot of sense. And And I think it's, you know, true with anything, right? Most people, relatively speaking, want to follow rules. People Generally, people like rules. It actually gives you a focus, a purpose. I mean, children. It gives you guidelines. Yeah. yeah mm-hmm. Kids are begging for rules and boundaries because otherwise you're flying by the seat of... All how do you of know what to do? Are, all of your kids are? Yeah. Some <laughs> of them, you know, beg in different ways than others. <laughs> but nonetheless, I think that human nature is, does benefit from structure, um, which are rules sure. in some capacity. And so I think that, you know, like you said, you were doing most things the right way and going above what the quote unquote bare minimum was anyways, but getting kind of that stamp of approval, it's actually a good, it makes you feel good. Like, okay, great. I did all the, and you know, and even those little nuance things, you know, are, our team's very good about not getting frustrated by them and just kind of saying, okay, probably unnecessary, mm-hmm. but we will go ahead and do these mm-hmm. 10 extra steps for, mm-hmm. you know, to turn that screw one extra turn yeah. or whatever the case is. Right. Um, but yeah, they definitely are. It's a process and it can be a frustrating one. Um, but just kind of keep reminding yourself of, of why, why the rules are there um, and things like that and that the intention is a good one. Um, but yeah, so... Like we were saying, though, trying to figure out kind of what you need a permit for if your project requires one, if your contractor you're using is going to be handling that process for you or not, including the process of scheduling inspections, waiting around for inspectors. Mm-hmm. You know, they don't exactly say, I will be there at 2.30 and show up at 2.30. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's not quite how that process goes. Um, and so it's a big part of mm-hmm. the process. It's also a big expense of the yeah. project. Yeah, you know, I think that that's... When people think about a remodeling project and, you know, maybe they're very budget conscious on what they're trying to do, I mean, not including permit cost in your budget um, from the get-go is going to be eye-opening. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you definitely have to anticipate that being an expense, especially depending on the type of project that you're doing, of course, and how many square feet it involves. Um, but they can they can definitely add up for sure. Yeah. Well, there's, uh, you know, it could be multiple inspections on projects. So the municipality or city has got to be paying their inspectors to go out and do that stuff and cover all their costs of offices yep. and so forth. Yeah. Okay, let's take a quick break. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Dave Fox Home Remodeling Show. I'm Gary Demas, and Jamie Bratslavsky is right across the table from me, and we are talking about remodeling, right, Jamie? That's right. In particular, building regulations building permits, zoning, mm-hmm. homeowners associations, all the people that are looking over your shoulder to make sure <laughs> yeah. you're doing what they think you need to be doing. That's right. Okay. Yeah. And so, you know, with permitting, and you mentioned the inspectors coming out and saying, you know, even even us, big company, reputable company, we fail inspections. Mm-hmm. And what's, when does that happen? What sort of things are they looking for? What sort of things cause a fail in inspection that mm-hmm. sounds so like, you know, like, like the house oh, is going to no. burn down yes. if you, they didn't come out. It failed in inspection. <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh. It's terrible. So what does it really mean? <laughs> um, 
<laughs> to the inspector, it really means that it's a little detail that he or she thinks needs to be fixed, mm-hmm. period. Yeah. Right? And that, like I say, these, this doesn't happen all the time, but right. occasionally. And honestly, we're working out in all these different municipalities, and we know all the inspectors pretty well. And we kind of get to know, you know, what what their tolerance level is. Yeah. And anybody that's got a lot of skill and knowledge, you know, there's more than one way to do things. And you can do something perfectly right that's going to last forever. But if it's not, you know, exactly the way the rules and regulations spell it out, then they're going to, they're, they can flag that. Yeah. Other times we're doing what we think is exactly in the rules and regulations, but they see it differently for some little mighty minute yeah. Point. Do you have any examples of well, uh, some of these uh, minute things hmm. that can come up? They're usually real peripheral type things. Like I was talking about sh- your sheeting, uh, nailing your sheathing. Yeah. Okay, that's pretty typical. But when you get in a really weird spot or shape or something and you can't reach a little teeny thing way back in the corner, or if they're looking that close, you know, they could pull that out. Or in wiring, you know, if you, if they feel like you have too many conductors in a in a box for the size of the box, and if it's it's kind of amb- ambiguous the mm-hmm. way the terminology is in the code, yeah, they might think that's bad, and the electrician could say, "I've done it that way for twenty years. There's nothing wrong with it," and he yeah. could be perfectly right, but the inspector doesn't see it that way. So it's usually things like that that are ambiguous, and it's just personal judgment usually. Yeah. I think, yeah, that makes sense. And I mean, it's tough too, because I think, I mean, even within the trades, people have just different opinions. There's not necessarily mm-hmm. a right or wrong. Um, and it doesn't always mean that, you know, the house is going to burn down. Yeah. <laughs> that's not, I would say 99% of the time, that's not what it is. That would be a major, yeah, <laughs> major flaw in something. But yeah. <clears throat> now structural items <clears throat> are important and inspectors aren't really qualified or don't have the authority to say whether something is structurally sound or not unless it falls within normal procedures. Like if you have a header across a six-foot window, there's commonly accepted, you know, beam sizes or for that header. Mm-hmm. And an inspector can look at that and say, yeah, that's fine. If you get in anything out of the ordinary structurally, then the inspector is looking for an engineer's drawing or an engineer's approval. Because the engineer is the professional. He can calculate all the loads, uh, and that, that can get very complicated in certain situations where you're yeah. carrying multiple load points. So the inspector saying, I don't know how to do this, but I want to see the engineer, his drawing that says the way you're doing it is correct. And then you're home free. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, and so... I'm trying to think of some examples of some, you know, one one code that can be, I've seen kind of come up just from writing our award entries for contractor of the year is when we do basements, the the rules for how close you can build things to the, like the electrical panel mm-hmm. or yeah. the space around a sump pump and the rules regarding, you know, closing that in and yeah. things like that. There's a lot of rules in basements, I feel like, depending on what you're closing in and how tight it That's is. That's because there's a lot of mechanicals in basements. There's, there's your, a lot of stuff. Your electric panel, your sump pump system, your, all, your plumbing. Yeah, so they need to make, make sure that there's 
all these units are accessible for service is one thing. Yeah. Yeah. I know when we were, you know, building our, finishing our basement, one of the things that we, I'm trying to remember exactly, but we couldn't quite accommodate enough space without a big sacrifice to move all the way around our um, HVAC unit. Mm -hmm. And so there was something to do with that. So what we ended up doing was actually putting a second door to the space okay. um, to kind of, you know, compensate for what we yeah. couldn't do. And creating a new access. Yeah. Right. And so that was sufficient um, for whatever the purpose was. Mm-hmm. And so I know that, you know, and again, a lot of these rules are, are for, you know, access panels. They're not cute. No one likes them, mm-hmm. <laughs> but they are necessary because at some point you're probably going to have to access that area yeah. or if you need any maintenance done, you don't want to have know, to cut in your drywall. And one of the areas where that is so tough for electricians is okay a lot of times we're extending a switch somewhere or an outlet and the wire goes to that switch and stops and if it needs to be longer then you have to make a a junction a connection there yeah on your wires and you're not allowed to bury that inside of a wall making a junction it has to be in a, a box now for a while they made these approved connectors that you could bury it and that was terrific, but for some reason that kind of fizzled up, and I'm not sure what happened. Oh, so, interesting. So electricians can't just extend wires, connect them, and cover it up. There has to, They have to be in a junction box with an accessible wall plate. So that's wow. one of the areas where that comes into play. Yeah. I know kitchens, we can kind of, they can be tricky too because there's a lot of rules on outlets. You know, those are a sure. big rule. And spacing, how, yeah. Spacing and how many you need. And, and how many and, circuits. Yeah. Right. <clears throat> and... And they really interrupt the aesthetic of our backsplashes we're trying to do here. Oh, got it. <laughs> they're very disruptive. <laughs> um, they're necessary, sometimes not necessary to the extent that they're required. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, what is it, like every four feet or something yeah. in a kitchen, I think you need them. And, you know, I, I don't know about you, but I don't use all the outlets in my kitchen. I don't need them all. I don't understand why they're required so frequently, quite frankly. Yeah. But I'm sure they have their reasons. And nonetheless, mm. it's the rule. And so we have to accommodate them with our backsplashes. Yeah. Um, and on islands. Yes, and islands. One of the main reasons is they don't, they don't, the code does not want you plugging extension cords in and draping it across a countertop or across a walkway in a kitchen. Yeah. Um, sure. <laughs> Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I think that uh, I I tend when it's funny because whenever we go stage for the photo shoots, that's like our first thing is like, mm-hmm. okay, well, let's put these props right here in front of this outlet. Mm-hmm. Put these props right here. You know, I'm always covering outlets, even in my own home. Well, I you feel could like, start a movement, Jamie, to get the code changed and I know, get right? a bunch of your your professional colleagues about sign petitions. And <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> I don't know, but I do, do think the outlet thing is a little overdone. Okay. I don't right. know the d- exact reasons other than, I guess, extension cords, which I feel like is a personal problem. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I think, you know, some of the rules can be frustrating and hard to work around. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they've made a lot of advancements within even outlets in a kitchen on where you put them and how you can conceal them and things like that. There's the push-up ones in the countertop yeah. that you can do. There's the ones that you can conceal up in the cabinetry, mm-hmm. um, which I'm not personally a big fan of because anything you keep I'm out that either, cord is going to be kitchen, so much more visible. <laughs> those are in the kitchen of the house we bought, and they're the, it's a a plug rail that's yeah. pushed clear up against the bottom of the yeah. cabinet. 
And there's a, if you have a plug with a big head on it, you can't even get it in there because there's not room. Because there's and, not room, yeah. I have yeah. to bend down and like try to look up Yeah, there. and try and find it. That's interesting. Yeah. Okay, so. Jamie, we're running out of time for this segment. So, again, we're talking about building regulations, codes, all that kind of stuff. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Dave Fox Show Remodeling Show right here on 610 WTVN or in a podcast. Mm-hmm. And we're glad to have you here. I do want to say that uh, if you're just tuning in, we're talking about building regulations and codes and zoning, all that kind of fun stuff. Um, if you ever want to reach us, you can email us. The email is real easy. It's info at davefox.com. And if you have any questions, comments, anything, we'd just love to hear from our listeners. Um so, Jamie, let's get right back into all these exciting codes and zoning and stuff, right? <laughs> Super exciting. Yes. Yeah. So, you know, we've been talking a lot about permits and we focus some on HOAs, but another big kind of piece of this puzzle is zoning. And zoning plays a big part in a lot of things. Um, and even especially, you know, building a house and where you can build a house, what's residential, what's, you know, commercial, yeah. how's, what's mixed how's the use. property zoned, what classification is exactly, it? Exactly, yeah. all the classifications of it um, and things like that. And is zoning the department in charge of like setbacks and things like that in your property or is that permitting? Yeah. That would yeah, be that's, zoning too? Uh, the setbacks are like neighborhoods will have typically certain yeah. setbacks and side lot and clearances. easements and all that kind of yeah, fun stuff. And how far you ha- yeah, how far you have to be from the front road, how close can you build to your back property line and mm-hmm. the side property lines. And also how much square footage of your lot are you allowed to cover with a building? Yeah. Yeah, I actually, we have friends that live in, or that they've moved since then, but in their neighborhood, there was someone in their neighborhood that was causing a lot of problems, mm-hmm. I'll say. And they had built... I'm not, I don't quite understand why, but they covered probably 90% of their yard in paver patio. Oh my gosh. It looked really crazy. Hmm. And that sounds expensive too. It sounds so expensive. Yeah. And naturally it was not within the rules of anything. Mm-hmm. And I know that it was a big contention and these people were very upset and didn't want to rip it up. And there was some sort of lawsuit, but they had a huge banner i mean it was probably 10 feet wide yeah. stuck in their front yard like bashing their hoa is that right <laughs> yes i'm like oh gosh this is not gonna go anywhere good uh-huh. <laughs> but nonetheless <clears throat> you know when you sometimes it gets to that point and lawyers need to get involved and and it can get become a bigger problem um but we try it honestly it was an eyesore so yeah. i Again, that's why some of these rules and regulations are in place Mm -hmm. um, and things of that nature. But nonetheless, zoning has a lot of rules and regulations just within what you can and cannot do based on your property. Mm -hmm. Yeah, zoning and HOAs can kind of play hand in hand too. Yeah. The zoning is going to be usually more technical distances um, and... Uh, square foot coverage and percentages of of square foot coverage. Mm -hmm. And the HOAs are going to be treatments, outside exterior finishes, that kind of stuff. Yeah. So they're all kind of in that category of we're going to determine where you can build and what it's going to look like. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so zoning is typically where we're needing a variance, correct? Yeah. Yeah. 
So and yeah, that's where a lot of the problems. A typical scenario, yeah, would be somebody wants to add on to their home, uh-huh. right? And maybe the side lot clearance is really a twelve feet or something, and they want to move something, you know, put an addition on that encroaches into that two feet. Yeah. So one of the typical things we would do is just check with the zoning department and call them up and say, hey, here's what's going on. Can you just kind of give me a feel for have any of these projects been done in the neighborhood and, and have been passed through zoning boards? Or, you know, we just kind of want a little history on what happens right there in that section of town Yeah. with a similar type scenario. So we want some kind of an idea to tell the homeowner, say, you know, this is does require a variance. It looks like there's a good likelihood it could it could pass, mm-hmm. but you know we can't guarantee anything. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And you know, I think again, it's interesting. I know I was actually just talking to Chris, one of our design consultants, about this. And in Upper Arlington, there's been a lot of turnover of houses. A lot have been torn down and rebuilt, and you know, there's some contention with that. And he was telling me about one of his, I think, friends or maybe a client. When their house was built, and it's an older house built in the 50s, it was built back further than the the setback of the front yard. Okay. It happened to be built behind that, which no big deal, right? And most of the houses were. But then when this new build got knocked down and built next to them, and it was built to the front of the setback, okay. it's, it's like it's six feet in front of their house. Mm-hmm. And they're within, they followed the rules, but boy, does it, yeah. it stand out because it's six feet in front of all the other houses that didn't. Yeah. yeah. So that's a tough, and it gets really tricky like that, you know? Mm-hmm. And so it's, you know, there's nothing you can do. They're following the rules. Yeah. It just kind of stinks. Yeah. <laughs> but that's one area. Um, the front, I think, setbacks and things are, are ones that are typically not that changeable. Um, but sometimes that side yard, especially if you have your neighbor's permission and they're okay with it, I feel like those tend to be, you know, and as long as it's like a foot or two mm-hmm. encroaching, not like six feet encroaching, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um, those tend to be more accommodatable. Yeah. But I agree. But yeah, having a team that knows how to navigate the process. Um, I mean, we have Brenda here that handles all of our permitting, mm-hmm. um, and obviously has, great rapport with all of the municipalities. Yeah, that's very and, meaningful. Cause yeah. She has good, yeah. Knowing good. who to call, what questions to ask, what to be aware exactly. of. I mean, that's gives you and such a And they know that we're, we're working with them. We're not trying to pull anything over on right. anybody. We just are trying to get our job done and, and take care of our clients. Yeah. I mean, we certainly never want to build the eyesore or, <laughs> you know, be, be the one in the neighborhood. Yeah. Um, and we would never choose to do that. So, um, but you know, it can get tough. And if a client, I think one another one that can get really tricky is the the neighborhoods that have the rules that the garages can't face the front. Mm-hmm. That can make it really hard to add on or change things sometimes, um, depending on how the house is situated yeah. and whatnot. Yeah. Um, but yep, and sometimes you see a house that looks like a house that was attached to a garage. You know, the garage yeah, is like four four court doors and yeah, gigantic and I know. Yeah. I mean, you definitely, you can drive around and kind of pinpoint things that you're like, huh, mm. how did that pass? Mm-hmm. <laughs> but you, you never know. Sometimes, like I said, like that one house, it stands out, but it follows the rules. Yeah. So is what it is. But, yep. um, but yeah, I mean, again, I think the thing that's important to remember is that the municipalities and, and the people running these departments, they're not out to make it difficult. 
you know, mm-hmm. they're they're out to keep maintain the rules and regulations. Yeah. And mm-hmm. and and they really like you said, we're working with them, not against them, and yeah. they're working with us, not against us. So it's all part of the process the it joys is. of remodeling right? yep i know and you are working with a lot of different professional people and you know this is their industry the architect at techs contractors the uh, drafts people that draw the drawings yeah that we have in-house uh, and the rules are ever-changing too yeah and we tend like they'll have uh, like annual meetings for permitting stuff and different municipalities and stuff we always attend those meetings and just kind of find out what's going on and also offer uh, insight and feedback yeah if if a subject is being debated or talked about yeah yeah so is within columbus i mean you had mentioned where you used to live there were not permitting process but surrounding columbus i think for the most part everyone has some level everywhere that we work there's some kind of permitting yeah Yeah. Mm -hmm. I know I have a friend that's building houses for Airbnb purposes mm. out in Hocking Hills. Okay. And and even they have upped their, I think especially as it's become kind of a booming area yeah. for development, yeah. they have even upped their uh, rules and regulations. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That happens. <clears throat> yes. It never gets easier. I know. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah. Well, we appreciate everybody tuning in to the Day Fox Home Remodeling Show. We've been doing this for about 10 years, Jamie, or 11 or somewhere around there. Yeah. And it's fun talking about remodeling, and uh, there's always something new. Uh, again, you can reach us by email, info at davefox.com, or go to our website, davefox.com. We'll see you next Sunday morning at 8.